Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, here is Daniel with a new episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm here with Alicia Esposito uh, and she's the vice president at G3 Communications. She's one of the organizers of a big conference in Chicago, which is held in uh, June this year, Retail Innovation Conference and Expo. And today we will discuss about this conference, but also about the future of D2C, CPG, retail and e-commerce. So many interesting topics today. Hey, Alicia, it's good to have you here. Hey, Daniel, thanks for having me. So let's start. Um, How do you see CPG, D2C and, you know, retail, all of these industries this year so far? Yeah, I feel like it's been a really interesting evolution and melding of worlds. Um, We actually realized last year through our audience demographics that, you know, we didn't just see the direct to consumer, digitally native, say apparel brands or, or home brands coming to our event. We did see quite a few CPG brands. Um, So our big priority for this year's programming was to figure out how to develop an agenda and a focus that better reflected the um, overarching challenges and, and priorities of these businesses, but also tapped into the distinct nuances of these different categories, because there are some really interesting trends, I think, that's been across these worlds, but also, um, you know, there are are very distinct questions these different brands have depending on their category focus, depending on their target audience. So I think the overarching trend that we are really leaning into this year is, you know, just what D2C really means this year. I think last year it was, you know, all about acquisition, all about emphasizing that unique digital experience. And now a lot of brands, as I'm sure you you likely know and our viewers likely know, is, you know, we, we can't just rely on these these digital methods anymore. It's getting expensive. It's not sustainable. Um, you know, we're looking at the, the VC market, the funding market, and, you know, we need to explore different paths to growth. Um, so we have quite a bit of content, you know, digging into what this new era of D2C and D2C slash CPG really looks like with a more omni-channel approach. And that's not just about mm-hmm. expanding into brick and mortar, right? It's it's exploring what does branded e-com mean? What role do marketplaces play? And how do we strategically think about wholesale expansion so we get into the right stores and the right territories and, and reach the right people? Um, so branching underneath that, I think, is obviously the rise of retail media or commerce media. I feel like we can't, you know, talk about growth, especially for CPG, without exploring that. And, you know, we are seeing a lot of really fascinating evolution of these digital advertising models, especially as we think about the role that the store plays in all of this. And I'm sure you probably saw the headlines about 
um, Kroger expanding its partnership with Cooler Screens to bring this new digital ad platform essentially into its physical spaces. So that's another big trend. You know, we, we've been tracking over the last year and we plan to really dig into with some great experts. And, um, you know, finally, what does loyalty look like in all of this? And how do you pivot from that acquisition focus that I spoke about earlier? And how do we think about building community, building retention and loyalty through these once very transactional business models, right? Um, there, there's been some data around the pressures of inflation and how are people thinking about their spend? I think this is especially relevant for CPG brands, especially since there are so many options out there, but it's, you know, how do you develop programs and experiences that really resonate and bring people into that longer term, um, you know, recurring relationship with a brand versus like, oh, I'll just try this brand. I saw the ad online um, and really make it something valuable for the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's let's uh, take a step back and uh, please share a bit more information about your audience. So, what kind of people they go to this uh, event? Because we mentioned so many things: CPG, D two C, e commerce, retail. But what are the numbers roughly? Also, how many people? Yeah, absolutely. So this year we're aiming for about four thousand to forty five hundred people, and of course that that includes the vendor and solution provider community as well. Um, and I would say our primary audience or market is, you know, e-commerce professionals. So it's e-commerce leaders, it's digital marketing mm -hmm. leaders. We actually are getting a lot of creative directors, uh, which is exciting for us because we are seeing this uh, merging of teams, right? Especially as we think about the diversification of, you know, the marketing and advertising landscape, it's not something that just, you know, the, the director of marketing can kind of lean into and, and, you know, run with a plan. Like we have to have the creatives in the room as well. Um, we do have a presence of physical stores, again, talking about, you know, wholesale expansion or omni-channel strategy. And, um, you know, we know that we need that representation there. So we do have a section of the floor dedicated to in-store experience, in-store design, point of purchase displays, um, all of those tactical areas as we think about executing the brand in physical spaces. But, you know, looking at it, you know, top down, I would say our audience is director level and above. So it's the people that are overseeing the strategy, they're helping implement the strategy, um, largely e-com and marketing professionals, and as far as types of brands, like I said, we have a lot of D2C and CPG this year. Um, and then I would say our primary, our heart, the heart of our audience is like that mid-tier business that mm -hmm. is either in the middle of its, you know, significant growth trajectory and is really trying to like map out like the plan or is in the middle of that process. And they're thinking, you know, next year or next five years, you know, what does that growth mm -hmm. playbook really look like? Yeah, you mentioned one thing, which is uh, creative people, they attend to this conference as well. I mean, their numbers, it's just, you know, more and more people. And uh, so this is a new trend, right? It, it wasn't a thing a few years ago. And uh, I, I wonder, I, I wonder why is that in your opinion? You know, I, I think it's in general we're seeing the roles and responsibilities evolve within 
retail and brand organizations. I think, you know, I mean, I've been covering retail for what is it, 12 years now. <laughs> and there has always been this emphasis on, you know, we need to break down the silos. We need like all teams to work together. But I think, especially as we consider new growth opportunities and how we think about growing brands, it really is a cross-functional initiative in order to have all of the moving parts work well. Um, you know, and, and I'm thinking, a brand that has a D2C e-commerce site, but is selling through marketplaces and is planning to go into wholesale, all of those components of the brand, whether that is um, content, visuals, user-generated content, um, advertising creative, all of that needs to really work in concert, right? Like I, I'm a content person <laughs> in my heart and soul. You know, mm -hmm. I, I um, love to hear how creative teams work together. So I think the the thing that we're seeing in way of our registration trends is people are bringing their teams. They're bringing all of the adjacent players that impact yeah. their strategy. They're communicating the value of going to an event like this, which is designed with that cross-functional approach in mind. So we have IRC, which is all digital, e-com, digital growth strategy, first first party data, um, we have our D2C forum, um, which is its own track and it's dedicated to those types of businesses. Then we have the Retail Innovation Summit, which is all about omni-channel, new growth playbooks, the role of resale and expansion strategy. And then we have Design Retail, which is all about that in-store experience and activating the brand in physical spaces. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you are in your organization, you know, you can go into one specific you know, program and stay there, or you can go across because we think the magic really comes alive when you understand what's happening holistically across the retail landscape and how you can better collaborate. Yeah, yeah. and that's what we call a T-level marketer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's uh, incredibly important nowadays that your people, even the designer, the copywriter, you know, and not the manager, they understand the overarching strategy. So. That's, that's a benefit if your whole team understands it. They don't have to generate the strategy, but if they understand it, then it can be a big, big edge. Um, I'm curious how you see retail businesses adapting to the changing landscape of e-commerce, online shopping. When I started my career, I remember those people in e-commerce who said that we are, we are in a big advantage because, you know, online sales is easier and everything is easier and big brands like Walmart, Amazon, I mean, not Amazon, but Walmart or Target, they don't understand this. And I think it's really far now those days. Mm -hmm. These big companies, they mastered uh, retail, uh, online retail as well. But how, how do you see those uh, giant companies, uh, more, you know, more brick and mortar businesses adapting to online? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I think it's been really interesting just to see how those um, more established physical retailers um, build out retail media and like their marketplace strategy. I mean, obviously, they're trying to take cue from take cues from the business that does it so well, which is Amazon. Um, but it's been really interesting to see their different approaches, you know, how they've built out um, those marketplace experiences in order to 
support the discovery, the curation that is very distinct, you know, for their brands. And I'm not just thinking about like the Walmarts and the Targets. I'm even thinking about like the Macy's of the world, um, you know, the more, um, you know, specialty type retailers that are really trying to build these marketplace experiences to become a destination for their consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a track dedicated to this evolution and it includes the retail media side of the equation as well, since they do very much work in concert. Um, so I think the the big trend is marketplaces, right? Like how are the retailers building out these models, these destinations, And then Mm -hmm. the extension of that is, okay, well, how does retail media come into play? Like what advertising opportunities are we providing? What content um, opportunities are we providing? And it's, it's been interesting to watch like what Amazon is doing around supporting creators and bringing influencers into play as well. Um, I think it's still kind of early days there to see how that, that, Mm -hmm. that value shakes out long-term, but I think it speaks to, you know, you can't just have, you know, a good, headline and good imagery and, you know, subpar content around, you know, the, the product itself. Like it really needs to be robust. It needs to be as branded as possible. And it's interesting to see how retailers are shaping those experiences. Um, so we're going to be digging into that a lot during the event, but I think in general, just, you know, how brands or retailers, I should say, are building within the organization, like a framework for innovation. So we, we actually are going to have Walmart and store number eight, um, which is their incubation arm speaking during the event, which I think is a really interesting case of, you know, th- this is a section of the business that is dedicated to innovative ideas. So what does that process look like? What do those work streams look like? How you go from, oh, this is an idea that could have merit, you know, how do we build it out? How do we test it? How do we bring it to market and how do we scale it? And I think that's something that all brands can learn from, not just like the big players. I think everybody's thinking about how do we bring innovation into this? How do we develop a culture for innovation? Um, so I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what insight they bring to the table because everyone's going to look for, okay, how do, I, how do I apply this, right? I think everyone that goes to a conference, they don't just want to learn interesting facts. They don't want to get some interesting data or just get interesting data. It's like, okay, how do I turn this into something for my business? So mm-hmm. that, that's one session I'm looking forward to. Hey, Budai Nation. Welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. And if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic. So it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. I wonder what companies you can see starting or launching a uh, a marketplace, uh, even D2C brands, you know, they manufacture their own products, but they create, you know, something like a, an Amazon, but a more niche niche marketplace. Can you see these or, or is it is it a trend nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I think we've already seen like a good amount of smaller niche marketplaces. I think sometimes they're actually more effective, just like, again, this is very anecdotal and biased since it's my own personal shopping experiences. But if I go to a brand, you know, I know and appreciate that brand. Let's, let's use like, like Madewell is a pretty good example, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, 
were known for a specific aesthetic, certain types of products, largely its own brand, and they're getting into marketplaces. So they're starting to bring in adjacent brands and products that kind of fit into that aesthetic or that brand story. And I think that's what makes a marketplace effective, right? It's not always going to be um, a wide assortment that's kind of shallow, right? Sometimes the power is in like, it's a smaller pool, but you can go deep. And I think especially when a brand is known for that type of, you know, particular lifestyle, or if there's a particular value prop that a brand is bringing into the table and they can get partners to kind of help curate that and, you know, reaffirm that. My watch went off. Um, That's, that's what makes a marketplace experience super powerful. Yeah, 100%. And of course, every brand, they should experiment with it and see if it works because, you know, these are just opinions here, right? But uh, (laughs) I think once you are in a, in a niche and you are well-known in that niche, then uh, you can add these adjacent, uh, you know, products um, that are related. You you don't want to be the next Amazon. I mean, at some point, maybe you can become, but <laughs> it could take some time. Um, yeah. yeah. So my next question is about the omnichannel approach, because you mentioned this, and I can see this as a recurring topic in my uh, agency and in my podcast. It's one of the, let's say, top three things this year but even in the last years. And uh, what's your opinion? How a brand can build an omnichannel roadmap? And what can you see at the, you know, in the, in the companies of your uh, speakers, participants of your conference? What can you see what uh, they've been doing recently? Yeah, and I, I think this is super exciting because I feel like there is no um, silver bullet. There is no like, oh, like, this is the playbook and, you know, everybody needs to follow it as is. And that's your key to success. I do think every brand, at least the brands that we've been speaking with, we've been covering, they do take very, um, very unique approaches, again, that fit their brand and their brand promise. So I think the core of that is like data is the currency here, right? Like you said, like we all have our biases, we all have our opinions, but, you know, if you can get firm, backup around which channels to use, you know, which brands to partner with, which retailers to partner with, rather to drive that expansion, that's key. So I think that connects to like the foundational trend, which is like ways that these brands are leveraging their communities. Um, There are some really powerful examples like Bubble, which is a skincare brand designed for Gen Z consumers the entire brand was formulated using that community. Um, And it was a hybrid of, you know, a a smaller panel versus a larger panel that was more like quantitative insight. And and we'll be speaking with the founder and CEO during the event, um, which I'm really excited about because literally everything from the, the branding to the packaging to the types of products to which retailers to expand into Mm-hmm. they went to their community to, to build that framework out. So I think that's a very extreme example, probably because the brand couldn't exist without the community, you know, being vibrant and engaged and, and supporting the development of the brand. Um, but I think that's something that we're seeing in, in a few different businesses to a certain extent. Um, and I think just knowing what expansion channels make sense for the brand. Like there are, 
some brands like that maybe don't want to be in every single big box retailer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or every single department store. So I recently covered this brand, um, Graf Lance, which, you know, they provide um, like homeware, officeware. They're like known for like their coasters, but like essentially their products are, are developed using sustainable materials. They have some big wholesale partners, but the key to their growth is actually the smaller specialty retailers. So like the museum shops, the gift shops, the ones that are really into finding those really eccentric and unique gift items. So they were saying like, you know, if we are in every single, you know, department store retailer or, or, you know, we try to go super mass, that's going to impact our brand. So I think that's an interesting piece of the puzzle that brands need to think about. Like, what is your consumer expecting? Like, how do they perceive your brand? Where is your equity, right? And how do you find the right partners to reaffirm what your brand stands for and really what your consumer expects of your brand? And I think when it comes to things like marketplaces or even marketing and advertising channels, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on just testing and learning, right? Again, let the data kind of be your guide. Um, But it's been interesting to see companies pivot from just meta or like, you know, just Instagram and Facebook to testing TikTok, to then testing CTV, to then testing retail media or commerce media. Um, Some are testing even traditional TV. I mean, we've seen quite a few D2C brands say like, hey, we're going to try, you know, something more traditional. We're going to try doing a super, (laughs) Super Bowl ad, right? Which I think has been really interesting. But it's been all about testing and learning those different creative methods to see what will support the brand and make sense for the brand, but also bring in some new acquisition as well. Yeah, and I can definitely see this as well, that, you know, three, four years ago, the way to growth was probably easier or more simple for many brands, Facebook ads, Instagram ads. And nowadays, everyone look around TikTok, but I know TikTok is tricky in the US now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I look into TV or, or even radio, newspaper, you know, something else, native ads. So there are many different ways. And I can see so many businesses. When, when I talk to businesses, eight, nine figure level, and how did you grow so fast? What platforms uh, have you used? And they always surprise me. They, tell me something that, oh, actually, I didn't expect that. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's something very different. So that's, un- that's very interesting. Look into new channels and then uh, experiment around and then look at your data and you can learn a lot from those. You, you mentioned community and uh, I really like those businesses where they are so active with their community. Yeah. It's a very transparent way to build a business. Um, what ways you can see or can you see with, with brands, um, how they build their communities? Because I know it's a common struggle for businesses that uh, they know it's important, but they don't know how to do it. What are the best ways that you can see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen some really, I don't say scrappy, I feel like that's an overused word, like very turnkey methods, like starting mm-hmm. a community through Slack. Like you just start your Slack channel and, and that's see, something. You, you could see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen some instances of brands doing that. And I think Glossier used Slack in the early days. Don't quote me on that. But yeah. um, that, that was kind of their connecting point 
for like their first however many customers, right? And that was kind of like the special like value add of being an yeah. early customer. Um, I know Bubble does use an app um, to kind of manage that core community and they have different channels as well, like more product oriented channels, just general like skincare education and questions, um, you know, even like fandom stuff, like cultural stuff, like the shows they're watching, the stuff that they enjoy doing. So they, they really try and hit on all dimensions. Um, so that's like the more like tech oriented, like create a platform for your people to gather. Um, right. A lot of people are, um, you know, of course, using social still to kind of cultivate that community. They're, they're building out their content strategy to get people to contribute to the conversation, to submit their own content. I think that's something that is just kind of integral to the, to, to the playbook moving forward. Um, but I think a really interesting component of this is the evolution of subscription programs, which I know we've been seeing mm -hmm. a lot in CPG um, as of late. And I think it's of course, there's the core value, which is subscribe to save, right? And and that's sometimes, you know, the the benchmark or, you know, the entry point for a lot of these programs. But then it's like, okay, how do we use these members to support the business or to make them feel involved with the business? So, of course, like they'll get extra perks, like early access to sales. Um, some brands have even said, hey, like as a member, you get first access to like this new product we're testing. Like, do you want, do you want us to send it to you so you can share your feedback? Um, so I think those simple approaches, like engage your members and like get them to actively participate with the brand to, to building and progressing the brand is super effective. So just going beyond the simple cost savings and say like, Hey, how can we bring you into this conversation and get you really excited about the stuff that we're building? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned subscription and actually once you have a community, then that's the next step subscription. And I just heard this at the conference that if possible, call it a membership because it sounds so much better than subscription yeah. and Amazon really does it well. So, so yeah, uh, build a community and then create a membership. You can create a loyalty program and so on and uh, UGC. So there are many different ways to really uh, monetize your community. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, so, Alicia, thanks a lot for uh, sharing these, you know, knowledge bits today. Yeah. And uh, if anyone wants to go uh, to your conference and join almost 5,000 experts <laughs> and great people in retail and e-commerce, then uh, what's the website? Yeah, it's uh, retailinnovationconference.com. And um, we'll, we'll actually share a little promo code for you guys too if you want to come on out to Chicago with us and you know it's not just people who love you know what they do every day but they're they're in it right like they're the ones doing the work which I think it is what I'm most excited about like all of our speakers they're they're the ones that are driving the strategy they're helping execute upon some of the trends that we talked about today so it's people that you know if you're into geeking out and actually putting plans in place um you know we're, we're gonna have a lot of that there amazing so we will put this uh code into the description and uh, every listener can find it as well and uh, also the website of the conference thanks again alicia Tan thanks everyone who listened to us and uh, stay tuned everyone thanks daniel